Thanks for listening to the Phobic Flyer Who Learned to Fly's Real Pilot Answer Series with Andy Clark and Peter Cox. Tonight's episode is Real Pilot Answers Part 1, including Can a plane get hit by lightning? I started learning to fly in 2013 and it took me seven and a half years to get my PPR license due to a debilitating fear of flying. I created this channel to show some of my training and what's next for my flying hobby and to prove that it is possible to overcome a phobia. Welcome to the Phobic Flyer YouTube channel. Can you just give us a little background of yourself, what you do? Certainly can do. My name is Peter Cox. I'm an airline pilot based in the UK. I'm a captain for a major UK leisure airline flying the 737-800 or the 737-NG as it's quite often referred to. Um, I've been in this position for almost six years. Prior to that I was a turboprop captain flying freighter, uh, delivering Amazon boxes and post. And before that, I was a flying instructor, which is where I met you. It is, it is. Can I, I've got one question actually that is not prepared for at all. Did you ever think I would get my PPR license? Yes. You did? I did. Honestly? I, yeah, honestly. You put so much effort into it. <laughs> and uh, a little story, I was the one that sent Andy solo for the first time. Yeah. And I can tell you, he tried desperately to, to talk me out of sending him. Yeah. And I refused and I sent him anyway. You did. I can remember you saying to me, well, I'm getting out now, so you're going to have to do it anyway. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, welcome then, Peter. Uh, first question, is turbulence dangerous? In a word, yes, but the vast majority of the time, no. Okay. Um, turbulence comes in three categories of severity. The vast majority of turbulence that you'd experience on an airliner is the lightest level of turbulence. This will be uncomfortable, the plane will rattle around a bit and the seatbelt signs will probably go on. You might have difficulty moving around the cabin, but it poses no threat to the aircraft whatsoever. We'll do our best to stay out of it just so you have a comfortable ride, but it's not a concern. Next level up, we would probably strap the cabin crew in for their own safety and make sure that there's nothing in the cabin that can move around that could cause hurt to anyone. Um, and the most severe levels of turbulence, then yes, they are. That is dangerous to, to the aircraft. Um, it would probably stress the aircraft beyond its limits. Oh dear. Um, so it won't necessarily cause the aircraft to crash. No. But it, it would present a, uh, a headache for engineering when you land. <laughs> yeah. Have you experienced all of those levels no. of turbulence? No. No, I've, um, I've, I've flying turbulence fairly regularly because crossing the Alps yeah. in Europe, you're quite often uh, confronted with, with turbulence. Um, I've certainly been in uncomfortable turbulence, but that's simply uncomfortable for myself. Yeah. Um, it's not caused a concern to the aircraft. Okay. Thanks, Peter. Another question here, are thunderstorms dangerous? Yes. <laughs> in a word. Don't even need to think about that one, yes. Yeah, thunderstorms uh, pose numerous threats to aviation. Okay. And we will avoid them like the plague. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can see a thunderstorm. Yeah. Uh, they also, it gets returns on our weather radar, so uh, we can avoid them both visually by looking out the window in daylight and at night using weather radar. And if they're embedded, so it's mixed in with other cloud, we would obviously rely on the weather radar to avoid it. Uh, thunderstorms can produce huge movements of air. Um, at the most severe, you can be looking at six to 7,000 feet a minute rate of change oh, of air. Blimey. Airliner at full tilt, full tilt will climb at about 3,000 feet a minute. So you're going down if you're in a downdraft. Yeah. So yeah, they are very, very dangerous. There's also other risks such as hail, freezing rain, 
and obviously severe turbulence. Yeah. So we will avoid thunderstorms and it's not just avoiding the cloud immediately near it. You can get the weather conditions that will affect out to sort of 20, 30, 40 miles from a thunderstorm. So we will give them a very wide berth. Excellent. Well, not excellent, but excellent that you avoid them. Can planes get hit by lightning? Yes. Yes, planes <laughs> do get hit by lightning. Um, <laughs> Again, it will probably be quite an uncomfortable experience if you're on a plane and you witness a lightning strike, but the plane is designed to withstand it. Yeah. And on average, there is a crazy, t crazy statistic, but on average, an airliner will get hit by lightning once a year for its entire operating life. Really? Yes. Um, there are sacrificial parts of the aircraft that are designed yeah. to absorb the damage. Yeah. They're like the little static wicks that anyone of a certain age will remember hanging off the back of your uh, Ford Escort to stop ah. a static electric build-up on cars. It's exactly the same on airplanes. So if you sat behind the wing looking out, you'll see little strips about that long off all the pylons and they're static wicks for discharging. They've got those on the back of a PA-28, haven't they, on the trailing edge of the... It's exactly the, the same the thing. Or? Yeah. yeah, exactly oh, the wow. same thing. It's a okay. static discharge wick. Excellent. Um, I suppose the aircraft acts as a Faraday cage in a way, does it or not? It does. The aircraft won't attract lightning, No. but it may well build up a static charge around it. So the lightning is attracted to the air around the aircraft rather than the aircraft itself because the aircraft isn't earthed. Uh. If you get hit by lightning, there will obviously it's, it's bright because yeah. it's a lightning strike yeah. um, and you may well hear a loud bang. Yeah but the aircraft itself will not be damaged from a lightning strike. Ah, that's good to hear. Thanks for that, Peter. What happens if an engine fails? <laughs> um, I <laughs> get asked, it stops. Yeah, I get asked <laughs> this quite a lot. Um, firstly, an engine failure is not as big a deal as most of the public would like to think it is. Okay. Um, to get an airliner certified, it has to be able to fly with an engine failed. Hmm. Therefore, at the critical point in flight, which is bizarrely still on the ground, the point where you are committed to taking off, okay. the engine has to fail catastrophically and the aircraft still has to be able to complete the takeoff in the remaining runway available, climb into the sky, fly around for an undefined amount of time and still be able to land. Wow. We, every six months, have to go to the sim to prove that we can do it. And I've very fortunately never had an engine fail on me. But from what I'm led to experience from the Sims, the aircraft is more than capable of doing it. Really? Um, so reasons for an engine failing, most common would be something like a bird strike. Okay. So it may not be the engine exploding. It might just be that the part of the engine is actually damaged. Yeah. So the fan blades at the front of an engine, talking specifically jet engines here, they are quite delicate yeah. and your average pigeon going into one doesn't do it the world of good. No. So you can get a huge amount of vibration with yeah. a blade being damaged from the forces involved. So the engine won't have failed, but we will probably have the engine running at idle. Okay. Reason for that is that there is electrical generation and hydraulic systems that run off the engine. Okay. As long as the engine's running at idle, that's still providing all of those beneficial systems to the aircraft. Yeah. Um, if it's more severe than that, we will shut it down in flight. Okay. So it's something we train for every six months. Yeah. Again, I've never experienced it. No. Thankfully. And I'd like to get to the end of my career and never experience <laughs> it. But yeah, it is something that uh, you shouldn't worry about. It is the most trained item in every airline pilot's sim. Yeah. 
and in general aviation as well, you train it is. for it as well, don't you? Yes, because I used to train you, you for did. what would happen if yes. the engine failed after takeoff. <laughs> Difference is you've only got one. Yeah, so it's a little bit more critical. Mm. Uh, there's an urban myth I've heard. Uh, somebody told me, I don't know if it's true, I don't think it is true, about testing jet engines at Rolls-Royce where they used to fire chickens. Would this be the one where they didn't, Fired a, yeah. didn't defrost it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. is that it an was, urban myth? I heard it was NASA. Oh. <laughs> so I think it's the same story that's done the rounds. Wow. Brilliant. OK, thanks for that then, Peter. Is it safer to fly across the ocean in a four-engine aircraft instead of a two-engine aircraft? That's a good question. It is a very good question. And historically, the answer would be different. Um, going back to the likes of, say, the 707, yeah. a four-engined, very early jet airliner, yeah. um, they had four engines for two reasons. Yeah. One, jet engines didn't produce as much thrust as they do these days. Yeah. And two, they really weren't very reliable. <laughs> no. So... <laughs> When Boeing first released the 707, it wasn't unheard of to land with three of them running rather than all four. Is that right? It was. They oh. took some time to get it working Ooh. properly. But again, the aircraft was designed to do it. Yeah. So it wasn't such a headache, as yeah. you would be led to believe. Um, but engines weren't very reliable. No. So to cross large distances of ocean, you really didn't want to have an engine failing on you. Things have changed. Uh, jet engines have, one, got far more powerful. Yeah. And two, they've got far more reliable. Yeah. I mean, as far as mechanical devices go, the average jet engine these days runs for tens of thousands of hours yeah. between overhauls. Is that right? Very, very efficient. And we, we fly them in a way to look after them as well. Yeah. So with twin engine aircraft, so something like a 777, yeah. you can go very long distances across oceans and be a long way from airfields that you can land at. But that's through a certification called ETOPS. Yeah. It's a very complex subject. Um, it could be a video in its own right that would bore many of you senseless. <laughs> um, but what it basically means is it's the approval for extended twin operations, or something very similar to that. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's both a certification on the manufacturer yeah. and the airline and the pilots. All three have to be certified, and it comes in ratios of time. Okay. So it will allow you to be a certain given flying distance on one engine yeah. from a en route diversion airfield. Okay. Um, this basically means that as you increase your ETOPS certification, you can be further and further away. Oh, right. Which gives you the ability to fly more direct routes over large amounts of the ocean. Okay. Busiest part of oceanic airspace is the North Atlantic. Yep. So crossing from Europe to North America, a lot of the tracks will require you to have ETOPS approval because okay. it will allow you to be further south from Greenland and Iceland as you're going across, Okay. which is beneficial because it's a more direct route. Yep. So it's one quicker, you burn less fuel, yep. and you use less time on the aircraft. Okay. So these days, there is no difference between crossing an ocean in a four-engine aircraft, something like an A380 yep. by Airbus, which has four engines because it's massive, mm. Or flying across in, say, a Dreamliner or a 777. Okay. They are all equally safe. Thanks, Peter. Uh, another question. Are jet aircraft safer than propeller aircraft? <laughs> As, uh, I hope you are going to say no. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a misunderstanding, I think, in, in sort of how this question is posed. Propeller-driven aircraft might well be driven by a jet engine. Oh, yes, turboprop. Turboprop. So yes. I used to fly a turboprop when I, I flew um, freight. With very big propellers, With I Very big propellers, yeah, six-foot blades. Wow. So they are huge. Now, is a jet engine safer than a piston-driven propeller aircraft? Yes. Yeah. 
Um, less moving parts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's a lot less complex yeah. in theory yeah. of how it actually works. So reciprocating engines such as a light aircraft, you know, the no. jet engines are definitely safer. Yeah. Um, propellers on a jet aircraft, such as a turboprop, I'm thinking specifically like um, a Dash 8, if you're in the UK, you'll be very familiar with the likes of Flybe operating them. They are incredibly safe. Yeah. The only difference is they have a jet engine with a gearbox in front of it that then is driving a propeller. Whereas the jet engine that most people assume is the jet engine on a air, jet airliner, yeah. where actually the propeller is just a really big fan at the front yeah. that doesn't go through a gearbox. Yeah. So the technology behind it, the engine itself, yeah. is incredibly safe because it's a jet engine. Yeah. Um, Propeller-driven aircraft like the Dash 8 are actually, they have to go through the same certification. Um, they are very, very safe. They're designed primarily for regional kind of flying. And because of that, they go in and out of smaller airports. Okay. So they operate in and out of smaller runways and generally in tighter conditions. And because of that, they are incredibly safe because yeah. they have the performance to do it. Okay. So I wouldn't be concerned getting on an airliner with a propeller. No. Because I actually know that it's just as safe as a jet. Brilliant. Thank you, Peter. Okay, how much fuel is really on board? <laughs> just enough. Just enough. Just enough. Just enough. Um, there's a legal requirement for how much fuel we carry, and I'm not going to go into all the details about how it all breaks down, but basically there's enough to get the aircraft started, taxied out, take off, fly to the destination that you're planning on going to, make an approach, abort that approach, go into a hold, then divert to your alternate, and then fly a full approach, land, taxi in, shut down, and still have a legal amount of flight time left in the tanks. Wow. Now, the reason I say legal amount of flight time left in the tanks, obviously that varies from aircraft to aircraft because a, diff a larger aircraft will burn more fuel per minute flying. Yeah. So that's a, an undefined amount depending on which type you're looking at. But yes, there's we don't fill the tanks. Fuel on board weighs a lot. Yeah. If I was to put lots of fuel on board and then fly somewhere, I'm one being very unenvironmentally friendly yeah. Um, because I've taken an awful lot more fuel. The aircraft will weigh a lot more and therefore I'm going to burn more fuel carrying that extra fuel. Plus my boss would probably be quite unhappy because that will cut into the profits of an airline. Yeah, of course it would. There are occasions, however, when I will carry more fuel. Um, if there is weather concerns yeah. or known delays, I mean, any of us that have flown back across the Atlantic back into Heathrow at six, seven o'clock in the morning, how many times we ended up flying around London in the hold? Yeah. That's a known issue. So generally, if you're coming back into Heathrow at rush hour, you're going to be carrying at least 10, 20 minutes of holding fuel yeah. because every day you're holding. Yeah. Um, there are certain airports that are very busy. You are going to carry hold fuel for those. Um, if there's weather en route, thunderstorms, yeah. I want to give them a wide berth. So I'm going to have to deviate from my flight plan. My deviation could be 100, 200 nautical miles difference. I've got to take that into account. So that all comes at the planning stage before we even get to the aircraft. And I'll calculate how much fuel I want and then we'll do the performance to make sure we can take that fuel, and that's how much fuel we're taking. So if you filled the tanks right up and you've got all your green shield stamps and free glasses, this is for people who are probably <laughs> older than us, actually, or <laughs> older than Peter, anyway. Um, how, how much would that weigh it would, in a 737? Uh, you're looking at about 22 tonnes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's a lot of weight. Yes. 22 tonnes. Blimey. Okay, thank you. Thanks for watching. I hope we've answered some of your questions. There are more questions coming next week, so please like, subscribe, and if you have further questions, put them in the comments below.